Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. This topic that we are going to talk about today is one that I hear from so many moms, so many parents about, and also just so many people are struggling through this. And when you hear the title of the book, you're going to be like, wait, hold up. But as you listen to the episode, you will understand what I am referring to. I am honored to have a repeat guest today, Paul Angoni. He is the author of the new book called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. And I just have to say, I opened up this book and from page one, I have been, I have had rapt attention. And maybe that was the whole goal because if you're going to get people who struggle with paying attention, you have to write a really good book to just, just bring them in so that they're going to pay attention. But Paul, this book is so good. I can't stop talking about it. And I, it's one of those books that I want to savor, but I also want to rush through because I, I want to read the next chapter in the mornings. I'm just challenging myself to only read 10 pages and I really have trouble closing it up after 10 pages. So, well, thank you so much. That, that is wonderful to hear. So I, I'm glad it's working. I'm glad it, the effect is, is, is being had here. It is working. And I would love to just start with Okay, listen to your day. Yeah. That is not something that we oftentimes are just walking around being like, hey, listen to your day. <laughs> so can you explain what that means? And maybe let's do it in the context of, okay, tell us a little bit about your family and what it looks like for you to listen to your day. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it starts really with with how it starts for every book I've written in in that feeling like a complete failure at something. Mm. And and that's how this book started. I really felt like I was losing my ability to pay attention to what was important. Mm. And I was constantly distracted. I was forever elsewhere. And I, I just felt like I was getting more and more convicted about this. You know, I'm, I'm not spending intentional time with my kids. You know, I say my wife is incredibly important to me, but how much intentional time am I giving to her? My faith, you know, I, that's an important part of my life. But I'm spending three minutes with talking to God, and then I'm spending five hours a day on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, man, shouldn't shouldn't it be that what I spend most of my time paying attention to, shouldn't that also be what I say is the most important parts of my life? Mm-hmm. And if I was answering truthfully for myself, the answer was obviously no. I'm so far skewed, giving my choice, time, and attention to things that I would say are not that important. Uh, that add really no value and aren't eternal and aren't good and f- actually fill me with a lot of anxiety and angst. Uh, so why? Why am I giving so much of my time and attention to things that I shouldn't be? So it was really breaking that down to get to the conclusion, you know, that, man, I feel like we get so many answers, revelations, answers to prayer throughout the day, and yet we miss them. Uh, because we don't have eyes that are seen and we don't have ears that are hearing. 
And uh, in Jesus, in the Bible, he warns of that. There's lots of verses about this that, you know, think about what is pure and what is holy and what is righteous. You know, think about these things so that you can then see these things in your life uh, so that you can see what's already there. And, that, and that's what I really feel like. I feel like, man, we have so much amazing things in our life every day if we just paid attention to it. So that's where listen to your day, uh, see your day, take a deep breath. And, uh, and let's start focusing again on what's important. Mm. And you have four children. I do. Tell us their ages. 12, girl, 10, girl, six, boy, four, girl. So three girls, one boy. Uh, you can relate to this. I, I describe it as having four different radio stations on in your house, and they're all on, on different stations, but they're all at max volume, right? Uh and then, you know, and then you have a spouse that you would like some attention or would like conversations to. And uh, so there's already so much, you know, for any parent, and I'm a stay-at-home, work-at-home dad. There's been times where my wife has worked more full-time and I've been uh, the main caregiver at home. So I can relate to that process. Uh, and so it's already so busy and it's so noisy and it can feel overwhelming. And so that's, again, where this relationship comes in with, okay, well, where where do we and how are we taking our breaks from that? And if you go to any playground, you know, I've been to many, and you're, there's all the kids running around, and you see all the parents, and it's kind of like we're all sitting there drained and exhausted, like, oh, finally, they're not, they don't need me for two minutes, but what are we all doing? We're all staring at our phone. Mm. And, and really, what I feel like is that our break into our phone is is counterproductive. It's actually breaking us. So we go to our phone because we feel anxious, we feel exhausted, we feel all these things, and then we start scrolling through all this stuff. And then we leave that break feeling more exhausted, more anxious. Or what most likely happens is a kid comes up and interrupts us or says, hey, mom, hey, dad, look at me, look what I'm doing. Or some kid gets hurt, is crying. And then we feel like we're being taken away. We're feeling like the kids are almost the distraction. Mm. And I was beginning to feel too that, uh, you know, I don't want my kids feeling like they are the distraction because I'm obsessed with what really is the ultimate distraction of this addiction uh, into my phone. And uh, so that's what life looks like. It's very busy, very noisy. Uh, my family is unique too in that uh, we also do commercial acting together, which is a totally another conversation. Uh, but we do like... Uh, like real families in resorts commercials. So we've gotten to do some amazing things together, but we really do like, so we do work, life, everything is like as a unit. So we spend a lot of time together. And, uh, and so it, we really have to be intentional about this process of parenting and doing good work and doing all these things together because we, we do it all <laughs> really together. So you're not someone who, you know, you're sitting in this writing retreat by yourself, just thinking about these different <laughs> concepts for hours on end. You're actually having to live yes. what you're writing about here, this life-changing practice of paying attention. Now, you talked already about our phones, which I absolutely agree. It is a huge, it can be a huge time suck. It can be something that's going to cause us to have a lot of comparison. It can distract us in a way where we're not being present with the people in front of us. But do you think that phones are just this terrible, awful thing? I mean, that's, that's my livelihood, you know? So I have, I feel like this, like I have this, it's this constant thing of, 
I really actually love the work that can be done on mm-hmm. a phone, but I also sometimes don't love what the phone can represent. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's just, you know, and I'm the same way, you know, uh, trying to get a book deal is incredibly hard and you have to bring an audience, bring a, build a platform, all these things that we hear. So anybody that's doing some sort of entrepreneurial creative work, it's really now a means to an end that you don't have to just go to the gatekeepers. You can go to people and you can talk to them. And so it is this amazing thing that has changed so many lives. But just like any, anything, anything that's wonderful, there's also then the downside or the dark side. And, uh, and there's building a, a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with it. You know, so just like wine, a glass of wine. Well, a glass of wine can be great. Now, if you're drinking three bottles a night, you might have an unhealthy relationship with wine. Or, you know, eating a piece of cake. You know, we all love that. You know, but, but are you having a healthy relationship? So just like we do with other aspects of our life where we've learned um, impulse control, where we've learned self-discipline. Um, I just don't know if we've necessarily brought those same concepts over to how we are uh, paying attention on our relationship with our phone. Mm. And I think that's when it becomes problematic. You know, studies are showing that on average, we're spending four to five hours a day on our phone. Um, You know, sometimes that's for work. Sometimes it's not. But if you, you know, if you start at 13 doing that, which now we're starting at age three or four or five doing that and you lived at your 80s, um, you know, that would be about 15 years of your life mm. uh, that you're looking at your phone, 22 years of your waking hours that we're now looking at our phone. So for me, that was alarming. And I felt like I don't really need to be looking mm. at it that much. Uh, so I have an unhealthy relationship with it. Really, I'm addicted. And I think a lot of us are. We maybe don't realize it, or maybe we're a little bit ashamed, or we feel guilty, or we don't really want to change that. So we don't really want to bring light to that conversation. And I was in the same place, but I do think it's such an important thing to at least talk about and wrestle with and and say to ourselves, do I have a healthy relationship with my phone? And am I making intentional choices to get on my phone? Or has it become such a reflex response that throughout the day, I'm constantly pulling it out. It's almost like our cigarette break now, right? I'm going to go take a hit from my phone and I call it being cultural escape artist, mm. where now we can escape at any time, at any moment during the day, even when we're around everybody, uh, we can escape into our phone. Mm. And so I do think we have to think about, do I have this healthy relationship? And if not, what do I do and what are the effects? So what is a healthy relationship with our phone? Wow, that's, you know, that's the, the book is, is, is about that. And it's trying to get to that place of, okay, what is, what does that look like? And um you know, so I think first of all, it's it's asking that question, and then it's having some in, making some more intentional choices to okay, what what does that look like for me, and what am I going to do about it? And uh, so I think the the sheer amount of time, I, I just I think I'd be hard pressed to say that most people need to be spending four to five to six or even two hours uh, on our phone. We don't necessarily need that uh, every day, and uh, and so I think we have to stop, pause. And pay attention. I even on my home screen now. I have uh, on my home screen. It's not a picture of my family anymore. It's a picture of uh, do I need to jump on my phone right now? Mm. So that's the first thing that I'll look at when I jump on my phone, and and that's helpful for me because again, it's letting my brain catch up to the impulse of pulling this out. And um, 
And again, I think we have to be as intentional and, and, and we have to direct our focus to our relationship here because social media, as we're learning and as we're seeing the documentaries, I mean, it's, it's made to be as addictive as possible. They've tapped into all the psychology, all the addictive natures, all, you know, the dopamines, all the things that we've ta- heard about. Uh, and, you know, I was one engineer who helped create uh, in- infinite scrolling. So the technology that we're all used to now with Instagram stories or even Netflix is doing this where you press on one thing and then it'll just keep scrolling and it will never stop. Um, he, he helped create that and he calls it, they were kind of creating behavioral cocaine. Mm. That was their goal. And he talked about that there's thousands and thousands of extremely smart people that are all trying to make this as addicting as possible. So we do have to be mindful of that because it is made because our, our, our attention is money. And that's what every social media, every news station, every influencer expert, we all, we all want that, you know, and me, me and you as well. And some will have, um, you know, good reasons for that. And some might not have such great reasons for that. And, uh, and so I think we just have to be aware of that and then figure out, okay, how do I, stop myself from feeling like I'm completely out of control with living for my distractions instead of being annoyed with distractions and then, and then getting away from them so I can actually get to what's important. It made me think of how recently I have, I go, I'm not on Instagram on Sundays. I don't post. Mm -hmm. And I actually have been removing the the little Instagram icon. And because I Mm -hmm. found that my, my finger just automatically goes Mm -hmm. to it. Like, I open up my phone and I just hit it without even thinking. It's mm-hmm. not like I was like, you know what? It is my time block right now that I'm going to get on Instagram. Yeah. I have 15 minutes here. So I'm just, it's just pick up my phone. And, and so when it's not there, I, I literally will pick up my phone mm-hmm. and my finger goes right to that space. And then I'm like, oh, it's not there. <laughs> and then you have to have that stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. I am off of Instagram today. Like it just, it's for me, that's just been a really healthy thing to just stop me to the think, do I need to be getting on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Is it just this, like you said, this reflex that we just have that we just pick up our phone and just go and look at these different Mm -hmm. things. I think that so many parents that I talk to really are struggling with this when it comes to their kids, because they see that kids are on their phones for hours a day, especially I feel like with TikTok, um, it's just kids, a lot of kids will be on TikTok. I know because I am in the teenager world um, for three to four hours a day, if not more, Um, or playing games on their phone, watching things on their phone for many times much more than three to four hours. Um, And so I think parents recognize that this is not something that they want, like their child to live in a virtual world. But what do we do about it? You have a 12-year-old, you have a 10-year-old, like that is, those are kind of the ages when parents are really starting to think about, you know, we need to figure this out. Yeah. That is going to be the, that's the discussion. That's the conversation, Uh, you know, because this all is so new and, and I don't think we're really grappling with that we don't even fully understand any of this yet. So we're all just trying to figure it out on the fly and we're getting more information and, and more studies are coming out, all these different things, which are pointing to some of the problematic natures of self-worth and anxiety and depression and uh, suicidal thoughts and how much of this is tied 
to social media use and to what I call obsessive comparison disorder. Uh, this feeling of, you know, we used to have to go to our 10 year reunion to look everybody up and down to see, okay, who's doing better than who, uh, you know, and you only had to fake it for one night, just rent a BMW, uh, lose some weight, get it to pay, like whatever it took, just fake it for one night. And then, uh, to, to trick everybody that your life's amazing. And then you could go back to your real life. Well, now with social media starting at age 10, 12, whenever we're all trying to kind of play off that same phenomenon of, uh, you know, my life's amazing. My life's epic. Look how exciting everything is. Look how great everything is. Um, and then we're also then consuming everybody else's lives and then thinking to ourselves truthfully, gosh, my life is actually not that great and it's not that exciting. And I'm kind of living a lie. And, but I wish I could be like this person or this person or this person just told me I'm ugly. This person told me I'm fat. Um, so it is a, it's a really interesting and I would say a very important conversation to have. And I think it probably starts, uh, as you probably agree, Crystal, that they first have to see it trying to be modeled, hopefully correctly, yeah. or at least that we are having those conversations and, and that we're even open to that, to saying, you know what, we're trying to figure this out as well. And uh, this is actually new for us too. We didn't grow up like this. So we're also trying to figure out how do we have a healthy balance with our phone. And I, so if, if, if they can see us start modeling maybe even some new habits, some practices, um, even something simple like, you know, and I talk about this in the book because I talk about relationships a lot in the book of, you know, do our kids see mom and dad, um, you know, if, if, if there's mom and dad or, or just see with you with friends sitting on a couch, talking to somebody, you know, looking each other in the eyes, asking questions, uh, do that. Do they even see any of those spaces during your day? Or is it, well, I always see mom's always on her phone. Dad's always on his phone. Uh, I don't ever see them really talking. Everybody's just busy doing their own thing. And there can be such a temptation to live every day like that because life is busy. But are we thinking about even some healthy practices, some models, um, something as simple as couch time, you know, that I just described in the book, you know, just sitting on the couch, some basic principles so that they can see it hopefully modeled correctly, and then see the fruit from that, you know, that they can even see us start to change, you know, that we are more present, uh, that we are paying attention so that our kids also don't feel like they're going through life where they're not seen or they're not heard. Because there is this tendency to label, especially younger generation, you know, older generations will label Gen Z millennials as very narcissistic. You know, they're always posting selfies, you know, all these pictures is all about themselves. Well, Narcissist, uh, you know, in, in Greek mythology, he, f- he looked in the, the image of the river and he fell in love with his own image. You know, that's what it means to be a narcissist. And I actually don't see that. I don't see that with kids posting selfies. I don't see them as because they're so in love with their image that they're posting this. I actually see it as this deep yearning and desire to be seen, to be heard, to feel loved, to feel validated. And they're trying to get that from the likes and the hearts and from people saying, oh, yeah, you're beautiful, uh, not to mention the five filters and all the things that made that happen. And um, so I think it, it, even just having that conversation with our kids, modeling it, trying to figure out, say, hey, I'm in this with you. If you see mom or if you see me on my phone too much, like call me out, even getting them involved in that, um, I think it's extremely helpful. Mm. 
Well, I think it's so good to go to the root, like where you're talking about how so much of this, I truly believe, like with social media, it's that we have that God-sized hole shape in our hearts where we are longing for that approval. And we just want to know that we're seen, that we're valued, that we're loved. And so we're trying to get that. So many influencers. And I know that I, as someone who I don't really love the label influencer, um, but that is kind of where I'm at in life right now. And just recognizing like, why am I posting this? A lot of times I'm really asking myself, like, what is the purpose of this post? Is this to help and serve? Or is this truly just because it's a great picture? It's a good story. And I know this will go viral, or I know that I'll get a lot of great comments on this. And so really challenging me to ask myself like and dig into my heart and and to have those conversations with our kids so that they recognize where their worth and their value comes from and so as parents i think for us to really have those important conversations about social media with our kids from an early early age and for them to recognize that there are a lot of dangers there mm-hmm. and um it's not just dangers from predators but it's dangers from you know, our own hearts getting caught up in something that is just can become very dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and very unhealthy. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it. And it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis. So I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. 
All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I've mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoire has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. I want to shift gears a little bit because on the back of the book, you talk about how this book is going to help you build better relationships through intentional practices 
of paying attention. So you talked about couch time. You talked about kind of being present. Tell us a little bit more about those intentional practices that are going to help us build better relationships. Yeah. I I have numerous chapters in the book about relationships because that's such a big part of our day. If we're going to listen to our day, well, we got to listen to the people that are involved in our day. Mm -hmm. And especially again, if we're going to say, you know, obviously our kids are so important to us. Our spouse is so important to us uh, who are dating our coworkers, uh, you know, our employees, our boss, these are, this is the rich stuff of life is these relationships. So are we paying the proper attention to them? And uh, even if you think about the, the love languages, Gary Chapman, the five love languages, uh, you know, great book, but, but really all those love languages start with, are you paying proper attention to somebody? You really can't implement a love language if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you'll hear even in a household, probably a a lot of the times, probably someone said this today in their own household of, will will you stop and pay attention? Uh, You know, will you just, can you set aside all the multitasking? Because again, we're all going a mile a minute, especially with kids. You're doing five things at once. We all need like five extra sets of hands all the time. But it is, again, it's, it's, the tyranny, of the, the tyranny of the urgent can become so overwhelming. There's always something else that we all need to be doing, something that can be cleaned, organized, solved, all these things. But it's, again, stopping, pausing, and just paying attention to these, these moments, these small little human beings, your spouse. Um, you know, and I think in marriage, one thing that can be so problematic is I think as spouses, we just stop looking at each other. Like, again, we're all going so many places so fast. Uh, we stop that practice of, you know, used to obviously you sit in dating, you used to sit there for hours and just stare at each other and look and have these long conversations. You maybe can't do that all the time, but are we even given like three minutes, five minutes to just stop, look at each other, uh, and ask each other good questions. And, um, you know, and then that's, you know, that's another part of it is the ability to ask each other good questions. You know, it's just a simple tool that's always been around. Um, you know, if, even if you're going to put it in a networking context, you're going to an event or whatever, you're trying to meet people, even me shifting that word networking and, and shifting it to relationshiping. You know, I'm not really networking. I'm just building relationships. I don't need to be like the used car salesman handing out my card and giving my elevator pitch. You know, that's why I always talk about what's your 30 second elevator pitch about how amazing you are. That always made me feel anxious and I'm not that extroverted. So it was, it was a lot of anxiety, but then I started learning, you know, if I'm meeting somebody, how, how can I love them? Well, how can I actually serve them in this conversation? Well, if I ask them really good questions, that will do that. And, uh, and you could meet somebody, you could ask them good questions. I, I even talk about in the book, you know, practice the first three minutes or, or work on this almost like it's a game when you're meeting somebody, can you get them talking solely about themselves for three minutes, for five minutes? Can you break your record? And, and you might do that for five minutes and that person might leave the conversation. You might've never said anything about yourself. And that person I can, I can tell you is probably thinking, uh, you know, I loved talking to that person. They're amazing. Wow. I got to introduce them to somebody. I really want to talk to them again. They might not even even realize that you had, didn't really talk about themselves or yourself, but it's because you allowed them the space to share something about them. So it's again, these different practices that we are just showing people, I care about you. I love you. I respect you. And that's why it's so important that I'm going to stop. I'm going to look, I'm going to pay attention. And I'm definitely going to choose intentionally 
to put my phone somewhere else. Maybe I need to take off my smartwatch because I've definitely even noticed like the difference between someone when they have the watch that's on their skin. Like they definitely never, they don't realize at all that they're constantly taking their eyes away from you when you're talking and looking at their watch. And again, every time that we do that, that we give our attention to our distractions, we're kind of giving the subconscious message to that person of this is more important than you. And, and that just breaks up that flow. It breaks up the conversation and it breaks up those feelings of trust and, and love uh, when we're constantly doing that. Makes me think of someone who years ago, I was in a relationship with them. It's just another woman that I was a friend with. And um, she, we were out to lunch and I was telling her something. Like she'd asked me a question and I was telling her something and I could just tell she was not listening mm-hmm. at all. Like she was distracted with what was happening in the restaurant. She was just, just distracted. It was like her eyes were not even looking at me. And I just was like, why am I, why am I bothering to talk? You know? And I think that we can do that so easily without realizing Mm -hmm. it because we are so distracted. Um, Gretchen Rubin, I believe it is. And she talks about the power of seven seconds Mm. and how just seven seconds of looking at someone, mm-hmm. looking at them in the eye, like our spouse, our kids, you know, we feel like sometimes we don't have a lot of time, but we all have seven seconds, mm-hmm. you know, and just taking that extra seven seconds to look in a child's eyes and just speak words of life to them, mm-hmm. you know, kiss our spouse for seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Like just taking that little bit of time can mean so much. Looking at the person when you are in the drive through looking at the person who's mm-hmm. bagging your groceries, like just looking people in the eye, that is a lost art of Mm -hmm. just saying thank you or how are you doing today? Just having a conversation instead of just constantly be looking down and looking at our phones and not looking people in the eye. Exactly. And we, and we miss what I call not so chance encounters too. You know, we talk about chance encounters, but I talk about not so chance encounters Mm -hmm. and we escape those so much in our day where we feel awkward. We feel uncomfortable. I'm sitting next to this person on the plane. I'm in this elevator. I'm waiting in line. You know, what's our first response now? It's to go to our phone mm-hmm. where before we were kind of stuck and you were like, well, we, I guess we got to talk to each other a little bit, but now we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And we're, most of us are choosing not to, but what not so chance encounters are we missing out of too, where God has maybe orchestrated at great lengths. I mean, the odds that we're sitting next to this person on the airplane is astronomical, you know, that we're here together and all the people in the world, we're here together you know, maybe I should at least give the chance for something amazing to happen. Mm. Like, am I even allowing that to breathe at all? And, I, and I'm telling you, you've probably had this too. Like I've had life-changing relationships and moments happen from doing an awkward wander at a conference. And that's what I encourage people to do. Awkwardly wander around. No agenda. You're not trying to meet the, the speaker on the stage after they talk. No, you're awkwardly wandering around. And I did that and I would just go to tables, you know, all the people selling stuff, you know, and they feel awkward because nobody wants to talk to them. So I'm like, they're great practice for me. I'll just go talk to them. And, uh, and talking to a lady at a table at a conference, she's like, well, I got to introduce you to the VP of marketing at my publishing house because I went to a publisher's table. And that led to my second book deal was from an awkward wander. You know, so we just, we don't know what we're missing out of. And even these, these people, these strangers, and, and, and then our spouses and our loved ones, uh, what you know, unexpected amazing could be happening, could be brewing every day. But we have, to be a, we have to be able to see and hear and pay attention to that. So often it's paying attention to a little detail. Like I will notice in a conversation, someone will just say, 
it'll be a tiny side thing that someone mm-hmm. will say. I was in the conversation with someone the other day and she just made a little side note about something. It was like, she just kind of insinuated. And that led to, I asked her, I said, now what, what did you just say? Mm-hmm. That led to her opening up, like weeping, mm-hmm. telling us the story of some really difficult thing that had happened in her life. And she, we were in a situation with a lot of people who had known her for a long time. And she said, almost no one here knows this. Mm-hmm. And it was just that reminder of paying attention mm-hmm. to the little things when you're in a conversation and listening well can open up so many doors mm-hmm. and so many opportunities to really be able to get to know someone better just because you paid attention. Mm-hmm. So this book, Listen to Your Day, I would love to know, you You talked to me before we started recording about how this has been something that you needed this message and it's really changed you as you've written it. Mm-hmm. Tell us as we're wrapping this up, what are just a few things that have changed in your life as a result of writing this book? I feel like I have a much healthier relationship with my phone. I'm not spending nearly as much time on it. And I feel like I'm not looking for as much validation from my phone and I'm trying to replace moments where I would have just done the reflex response into my phone. And I've, I've gotten better because these are habits and practices that we have to work on. I've gotten better at, you know, instead of jumping on my phone when I feel like just, well, let me pray again. Mm. Let me get back into that flow, into that routine of instead of just filling every moment with phone, let me fill it with what we would have done for centuries and pray when I'm anxious or scared or worried. And so that's been a big one, just kind of the daily habits. And, and I think like we were saying before, even for this book launch, um, you know, I, f- I felt way more at peace and at rest. And, you know, if this is, if it's deemed a failure or success or whatever, I don't know. I just didn't really matter as much because I felt like my, the, the worth, my self-worth, uh, wasn't, uh, being weighed on this teeter totter of, is this deemed an instant success or not? Because I felt like I was more grounded and rooted and even one simple thing that I've done is I've scheduled a 30, 45 minute hike walk into my work day. So that's what I do every time at a certain time, unless there's some meeting that I just can't get out of, I'll go and do that. And, uh, and I don't listen to anything. Uh, it's amazing how many people I pass are listening to something on this hike. Uh, I'm like, we've gone to great lengths to be in this quiet, silent place. And yet we still feel this need to have some sort of noise. And, uh, and I do this walk and, and I can't tell you how much I, I love it, you know, and uh, it's good for my emotional, spiritual, physical health. Uh, but I remember my wife, even when I started doing this, she's like, but Paul, shouldn't you be working? Like, you don't have that much time in the day. So shouldn't you be working? I was like, well, that's a fair question. But I, and so then I made the argument, you know, actually, this is probably the most productive use of my time as well, because I'm getting all these ideas you know, if, if you look at my Instagram, all my videos that I post are at the tail end of this walk. So I do bring my phone and it is part of that walk. But I'm just so excited because I feel like I've been given all these downloads and I've been thinking through something and my mind's been wandering and all these aha moments are happening. And aha moments, they don't happen by accident. They happen when we're at rest, when we're quiet. That's why people say my, my best ideas are in the shower. And so we have to protect those spaces. So that's what I've started doing, being more intentional. And it doesn't have to be a 30, 40, 45-minute walk. It could be five minutes in your car. You know, Before we recorded today, it's raining outside. I took, a, I took 30 seconds. I looked up at the sky, and the rain was just hitting me in the face. I've been driving through traffic and rain, and I just had that quieting, grounding kind of like, 
okay, let me pause, deep breath. Let me just feel, oh man, birds are chirping. This is beautiful. It smells great. It's beautiful. And that just, it brought a sense, more sense of a calm and peace versus just stepping right into whatever's next with this kind of frantic, anxious, distracted energy. And it was 30 seconds. Like we all have 30 Mm -hmm. seconds, but it can make such a difference. One of the things I love in this book is you also give a lot of very practical, tangible, like here's how you put this in practice. And so as we close this interview, what is one simple thing that people can do today to help them do a better job of listening to their day? Yeah. And that, and that, and that is what the book's about. It's a framework for people to find their answers and, and what they need to pay attention to. So there's lots of spaces to write for people. Cause I don't want to, I'm not giving people the answers about what's important to their day. They need, they can figure that out. And, and so I would say one simple thing we can all do is start your day. Well, you know, and again, this is an age old habit, but let's get away from jumping on our phone right away or jumping on the news and maybe just ask yourself one question of, what do I want to pay attention to today? Um, what is my goal of the day? What's, what's my purpose? What's my purpose that's worth paying attention to? How is my day bigger than distractions? And because our mind, we have to give our mind this map that says, hey, this is what I want us to focus on today. And then we'll start seeing and hearing and, and discovering so much more. So I would say wake up well. And start your day with a question. Start your day with a goal, something that you say, this is what I want to focus my attention on. Because we only see what we're looking for. And that's what's nuanced about our attention. We only see really what we're looking for. So we direct our attention. We direct it with our thoughts. So how are you doing that? How are you doing that when you wake up? And I'm telling you, if we get in that habit and that practice, well, then now all the distractions are, are not nearly as important. Because now it's like, no, I got to stay on this path because this is, this is really what's important. Start your day with a question, really asking, okay, what do I want to focus on today? What do I want to pay attention to today? I think most of us, we're just jumping straight into our day. And, and I think that just having that one simple question at the beginning of the day could change our whole trajectory of our entire day because we're going to start our day then with intention. We're going to start our day with focus and with an anticipation of what we're going to be paying attention to. So thank you, Paul and Goni, for writing this book, Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention. I'm excited for how it's just going to impact so many lives, so many families, generations to come by people implementing the practices in here, by changing and shifting their focus from these distractions to these intentions and paying attention to what really matters. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.